This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. If you would please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your love and your kindness. I thank you that you always tell us what we need to hear. I pray that your Holy Spirit will give us an understanding heart today. Lord, during this focus in October on missions, I pray that our heart would become more and more like yours. For you, who loved the entire world, sent your one and only Son, so that the world, through you, could be saved. And Lord, I pray that our heart will always be for the lost. We have some who go far away around the world to take the gospel. But truly, we see in our own backyard and in our own workplaces people who are living in darkness, people who are broken and they need healing, people who are searching and they need to find the truth. Spirit of God, I pray that you would prepare us as a mighty army to bring the light of the good news of Jesus Christ to those who are living in darkness. Father, for some of us in this room, maybe there is a sense of fear or timidity we're willing to serve you, but it's hard when we get ridiculed in our workplace. Or maybe even in our home, if we're married to someone who chooses not to follow you, it can be very difficult. But I pray, Spirit of God, that you would give us courage so that we will be able to live out the life you intend for us to live, speaking your word with authority and with power. I pray that you would guide this message this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you would uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 9. I want to talk to you today about the work that God has for you and I. Sometimes I believe that we can get a bit bored in our Christian walk, not because God is boring, but because we get boring. And sometimes the reason we get boring is because we get off track with the wonderful things that God has called us to do. And we lose a bit of purpose because we get so self-centered and focused. And then we begin to question, what's this Christian life all about? Is this all it's really cracked up to be, just going to church and somehow trying to get through life? God did not intend for us as followers of Jesus Christ to simply be survivors. He has called us to a life of victorious living. He has called us to thrive. In fact, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God that lives within us is greater than the Spirit that lives in the world. If that is truly the case, and I believe it is, that means that whenever you show up, there should be a change that happens. The Bible tells us that you and I are an aroma, that when we walk into a room, when we walk into a place, there is a supernatural smell 
that wafts off of us. And the Bible tells us that it has two effects. One, for those who are being saved, it is a sweet aroma. But for those who are rejecting the truth, that aroma is very displeasing. And you can notice the effect when you begin to talk about the one who loved you so much that he gave his life for you, and those who could care less about that great sacrifice. And all of a sudden, the conversation can change. Now, here's the challenge, is that at times you and I have to choose between having a buddy-buddy relationship with someone who wants nothing to do with the gospel or holding our firm ground and standing for the truth. What happens is sometimes because we are human beings and we love to have good relationships, we'll err on the side of, well, I'm not sure I want to say anything more about God because it may cost me my relationship. What we don't realize is by closing our mouths, we are not doing that person any good. And in fact, the pressure that sometimes comes upon us to be able to be quiet shows us the reason why we need to be willing to speak up. As we sang in the song, at the name of Jesus, darkness does tremble. And one of the greatest ways that the enemy gets his hand in our business is he causes us to stop speaking that wonderful name because he trembles at that name. When Jesus was walking on this earth, his father sent him here with a very specific assignment. And in that assignment, it involved preparing people because Jesus was not a lone ranger. He didn't do everything alone. He called 12 disciples to walk with him, to live with him, and to minister with him. But that wasn't the only group that he called, and we're going to look into that in just a moment. But in chapter 9, verse 1, it begins by saying, one day Jesus called together his 12 disciples, and he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Now, if you would just, it's right there, but just sometimes it settles in a little bit better when you say it out loud, all right? If you would help me out by, I just would like to know how much authority that God gave to these disciples. It says here that he gave them authority and power to cast out how many demons? All. And then it goes on to say that he gave them authority to heal diseases. How many diseases? All. All, All covers everything. I love that about There's not one challenge you're facing that God can't deal with because God is able to take care of it all. Verse 2, then he sent them out to tell everyone. Would you say that word out loud? Everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now, what Jesus did with his disciples here, he desires for you and I to pick up the baton and run with it. 
Unfortunately, there has crept into the church at large the idea, because the enemy tries to silence us and tries to rob us of our power, the idea has entered into the church at large that this power and this authority somehow was reserved only for these 12 and only for that time frame. That God intended only for this specific group and for this specific season. But we're going to see that God branched out clearly beyond that. He says, verse 3, take nothing for your journey. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet. And as you leave, uh, show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. And so they begin their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. Now, God has called you to quite the opposite of a boring Christian life. And if you want to know how to get things a little bit more exciting, I have some advice for you. Start doing what Jesus has commissioned you to do, and you'll get more excitement than you can ever imagine. Jesus told his disciples, go and preach the gospel and heal the sick. He said, not only am I calling you to go do this, but he said, I'm giving you everything you need. You've got the authority and you've got the power. Go use it. You've got the authority and you've got the power. Go use it. Now, I want you to think for a moment about the authority and the power that God has given to you. And I want you to ponder for a moment how you're using it. Because all of heaven will back up the word of God. God will move heaven and earth to fulfill his will. And when you are proclaiming the word of God, it will never return void. In other words, it will always be power-packed. Always. The problem is, is when we cease from doing our part, then the Word of God is not able to do its part. Not because the Word of God is any less powerful, but it's because at times we are threatened by fear to close our mouths. And when the Word of God is not sown, the Word of God cannot produce. And the enemy would rather us be quiet than to proclaim the name at which demons tremble. So these are the 12 disciples that were sent out. Now let's fast forward and look at verse 10. It says, when the apostles returned, this is they got back from their assignment, they told Jesus everything they had done. Then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going, and they followed him. He welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. 
Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. Now, the details of this is for another sermon, but this is where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Well, that was just the men. So there were many more than that. But 5,000 men were fed, and along with the, the wives and the children. And we look at the setting here that the crowds came to Jesus. Now, we do read later on that there were people who heard about this miracle and got all excited and ended up coming to follow him because of what he did here. But in this instance, it hadn't happened yet. And so you've got crowds coming to Jesus. And we find out that this was a remote place. We see that here in verse 12. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. What will cause people to gather together in a remote place? A place where there is no uh, other exciting stuff going on. Well, it's because the power of God is present. You see, it's the power of God that draws people. That's it. It's the power of God that draws people. When you end up learning that, it'll save you a lot of headache. When we at Christian Life Center come to understand what truly is going to grab a hold of the hearts of people, it becomes a whole lot easier to do the job God has called us to do. See, people aren't going to come to this church because of the car that you drive. People aren't going, and I, I, I loved setting up decorations, and I want to thank all those who helped. Love putting up this cool globe and banners and all the different things. But people will not come to Christian Life Center simply because of decorations. And as I was working this week, I was thinking, God, the work I do, I do for you. This is kind of in-house stuff. It's kind of fun stuff. But it's not where it's at. Because if God doesn't show up when we gather in his presence, then we're just a dry, empty, remote place. You know what I mean? And the truth is, is that if you want people to come, you have to provide something that goes beyond the natural. It's got to be supernatural. Oh, I'm so glad for the thousands of people on a weekly basis that drive by this church. We are positioned in such an amazing spot. I have heard more comments about people who regularly read the sign on a, uh, on a regular basis. Some of them don't even know the Lord, but they like reading the sign. And every time I think of the next sign saying that I put out there, I think about the people who are driving by that will never set foot in this church. But they can't help but looking at something right, something right in front of them. Even the road is curved just right. <laughs> like, if they didn't turn, they'd run into it. it. It's perfectly positioned. 
But even that is not what's going to be the key draw for people to come to Christian Life Center. It is the power of the Spirit of God. And my prayer is, is that every sign saying that is on that sign will reach beyond the intellect, but it'll go to the heart. That after they read that sign, they will think about something that goes beyond the natural. And that the Holy Spirit will use those words to penetrate their heart. When these disciples went out, they didn't have a whole lot that would draw attention to themselves. In fact, as I was reading the list there, at least for this particular time, he says, don't take a walking stick, don't take a traveler's bag, don't take food, and don't take money, or even a change of clothes. Now, most missions trip coordinators would have a, a big challenge with that. I've coordinated quite a few missions trips. And you know what's on the list of things to make sure you bring? Most everything on that list Jesus said not to bring. Now, Jesus did that with purpose. It doesn't mean you don't need to be prepared. But I'm just trying to make a point. And that is when God is working, all the frills are not the core. And sometimes we get things mixed up. We think if we can make things look cool enough, we'll get a lot of people to come to Christ. Not so much. You may get a lot of people, but as quick as they come can be as quick as they go. It's hard work to get people rooted and grounded in the Lord. And some of that work is no fun. God called you and I to operate in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And I want you to think about what level of power and authority you are operating as you live for God. Because that will determine the exciting stuff that's going on. Think about it for a moment. You've got a person that you know of that is battling some demonic oppression. Oh, they've tried all the medicines. They've seen doctors. Doctors aren't seeming to do it. But you come on, a, on the scene with, a, with the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And the demonic spirits that are affecting that person have to leave. That's exciting stuff. And the disciples, they come back from their journey and they're telling Jesus all about what was going on. Now, let's fast forward to chapter 10. Verse 1 again. The Lord now chose... 72, some versions say 70, so either 70 or 72, other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places that he planned to visit. And these were his instructions to them. First of all, let me just pause for a minute. Think about this. He is very intentional in what he's doing. He is sending these disciples, these are not the 12 now, these are 70 or 72 disciples that he is sending to places where he's going to go. So what he's doing is he's preparing the soil. Now, I want to pause there to say this. 
There are things that God has planned to do in places that God has you right now that is not ready for him to move, but he has you there to prepare the ground so that he can move later. He's going to visit, but his visit is being prepared by you. That's why John the Baptist came, to prepare the way. Did you know that God has you on assignment at your job? Oh, some of you may have just thought you're there to get your paycheck. No, 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 no. God has you on assignment. God also has you on assignment in your neighborhood. Oh, sure, you looked over the house and you liked it and you decided you'd buy it. But much more was going on that moment. God was placing you in your neighborhood. He has you on assignment. And some of the things that he's going to do in the near future will be determined by your obedience where he has placed you. Jesus is sending out these 72 disciples in the places he was going to visit. And this was their assignment. He said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Assignment number one, you ready? Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Step one, you got to pray. Now, sometimes when we get busy doing a job, we lose sight of the importance of it. And Jesus right off the bat says, now let me just explain to you, there's more work here than you can do. So I want you to right from the get-go begin to pray for more people to join you. Because the task is large. The harvest is great. The workers are few. Friends, you and I must pray that the Lord of the harvest will bring in laborers for his kingdom. Secondly, this is his assignment to them. So first it is pray. Secondly, he says, now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Process that for a moment. Lambs among wolves. Now, if he had used an analogy like, I'm sending you out as lions amongst the animals, you might be like, yeah, I'm going to take charge around here. I've got power and authority. It's not what he said. Now, when you have a lamb and you have a wolf and you put them together, trouble happens. And usually the person who gets injured is the lamb. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will experience persecution. But don't give up because I have overcome the world. Now, I love that about God that he doesn't just pep talk us into things and tell us stuff like only the positive and then you show up and all this bad stuff happens. You're like, God, you never told me any about any of this stuff. But God tells you in advance. 
is it's going to be hard. You are going to be like a lamb, and there are going to be wolves around you. And then he says, don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Now, at first value, you might think, really? Like, we're supposed to be really cordial and nice and, like, you know, friendly. And uh, why wouldn't I do that? Now, think about it for a moment. You are an ambulance driver. You get the call. Someone is in desperate need of you transporting them to the hospital. You jump in your ambulance, and you get going. And you find out that on the way, there is a group of your friends holding a party. And you're in a dilemma. These are good friends. Every time I get together with them, I have a blast. But I've just received a call, and I've got to go to where I need to go. What do I do? God says, in that instance, don't stop. Keep going. The seriousness of the task determines for you to stay focused. Now, I don't say this to be unkind because there are times you, you know, have fun, talk with your friends, and enjoy fellowship. The camaraderie that happens in the military is wonderful. But you don't join the military just to have a buddy. You know what I mean? You don't join the military just to have a buddy. You end up with one, but that's not why you join. You join with an undivided purpose of fighting the enemy. And along the way, someone joins you. And then they've got your back and you've got theirs. But no one joins the army. Why are you joining the army? I need a buddy. I hear that in the army you get buddies. You don't do that. In a similar way, you and I are on assignment. Along the way, you get a buddy. But that's not why you join. You have been commissioned by the Almighty God. Your foremost goal should be to complete that mission. And I'm going to tell you, there are times when people that you thought you could count on to walk with you on that journey will choose another road, and then it's a hard call. All of a sudden, it's not as easy. And the song that is sung, though no one go with me, still I will follow, becomes a reality. And oh, how lonely it is when you're on a mission and there's no one with you. Any of you ever been there? Where you have been on a mission and you have felt alone? One of you has. Three, four. 
a few more. The reality is, is that I believe all of us at one time or another sense that loneliness. But what you need to remember is that you have been called by God. And no matter whether someone goes with you or not, you are on a mission. And so there are times in your walk with God that you are not to get distracted by those that would like to slow you down even when they're greeting you along the way. There are times when you need to be focused and not get wrapped up in what's going on in relationships. And the Holy Spirit is the one that will reveal to you when to stop and greet someone and when to keep on going. Verse 5 says, whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Now, from time to time, I have the wonderful privilege of going to a home that someone moves in, and we ask the Lord to bless it, and I will dedicate that home to the Lord. And it's a wonderful thing to do. But one thing I always try to communicate is as much as that is powerful and effective, what happens from that point forward will determine whether that blessing remains. Because you cannot ask God to come in the front door and then allow the devil in the back door and somehow think that you're going to be safeguarded from the work of the enemy. It's so important that when we commit our homes, ourselves, our families to the Lord, that we continue to remain steadfast. And so, Jesus says, you enter into someone's home, go ahead and ask God's blessing. The blessing will stand if these people's hearts are determined for peace. But if not, it says, look what happens to the blessing. It will return. Have you ever had a hard time blessing someone that you think doesn't deserve it? I've remembered this verse in times of difficulty where I know this person either has ought against me or they're maybe even backstabbing me at the time and you can't like come right out and say it. You just got to love them in the name of the Lord. Kind of like when Jesus allowed Judas to kiss him. I mean, Ju Jesus, he knew all the stuff that was going down. He could have taken the whole thing under control at that moment. He didn't. The Lord has reminded me, don't fret. If this person's heart is willing to receive that blessing, they will receive it. But if not, that blessing will return to me. It's the same for you, friend. So if you're blessing someone who outright disregards God, who could care less about walking in obedience to the Lord, you leave it in his hands. He deals with where the blessing ends up. If the person's heart changes, you have just saved a person from death. But if they don't care, and if that blessing bounces off, it's going to come back to you anyways. So give that blessing with a heart filled 
with love. And then it goes on to say, don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. Now, this is important, and this also um, may not necessarily apply as much to all of us in this room, uh, but particularly I think about missionaries who have many of them left their job, left their home, and they have gone to do uh, the work that God has called them to do. And sometimes uh, it's difficult for us as human beings to receive stuff from other people because we feel like we're dependent upon them. And so sometimes there's this sense of, well, no, I don't really want you to feel like you've got to give me something. Here's the words of Jesus. When you step out in faith and you do what God has called you to do, listen to this. Those who work deserve their pay. And there are those who are going on a missions trip, and I've had this discussion with them. They don't have the money. Uh, maybe they're facing the challenge, but they know God's called them to go. And I'll try to always get to the bottom of the situation, and I'll ask them, did you just decide you're going to go on this trip, or did God call you? Because that makes a difference. And if it comes back to, well, God called me, all right, well, then we've got a whole nother playing field here. Because if God called you, then he's going to provide for you. And so then it comes to the next step. Share with your brothers and sisters where you're going and see what the Lord provides. And this is a difficult step because some people very feel very uncomfortable asking other people to help them. But when you are working for him, what others provide is provided for his purposes, so long as the person that receives it is being a good steward. And I have seen God work wonderful ways of making all the necessary provision for someone who normally would never be able to go because people have said, I am willing to bless you in the name of the Lord. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality. Some of us have to swallow our pride and stop thinking that we are the only ones that support ourselves. We're a body here, and we need each other. So God may call you on an assignment where you actually have to rely on somebody else. Every missionary that comes to this church, they rely on us. They rely on us. We help provide financially for the missionary to do their work. And one of the things that I don't want is for a missionary, and they come to minister, to feel as though they have to beg for the work that God has called them to do. And I want to thank all of you for your generous giving to missions. It helps us bless our missionaries. I also want to share with you that at the end of this month, on October 28th, we have a special guest missionary. And... He and his wife will be joining us for our missions banquet. It's going to be a wonderful evening. On that night, we are going to hear a word from the Lord as well as we are going to be determining as a church body what our faith promise commitment is going to be for missions for the upcoming year. And you can invest in the lives of those who have been called by God. And you can, through your giving, demonstrate hospitality to them. When the missionaries come, we put them up and we provide finances for them. We pray for them. 
We want to treat them in such a way that would honor the Lord. Notice that it says those who work deserve their pay. Verse 8, if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. Now, the, the 72 uh, went out and they did what Jesus told them to do. Verse 16, Jesus said this, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. And so they come back and they're telling Jesus of the report. And verse 17 says, uh, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Now, friends, I want you to know God is no respecter of persons. Some of you in this room may not be used to it. Maybe you've never done it before, but I want to challenge you to begin to use the authority and the power of the name of Jesus. Just as the demons were subject to these 72, they must be subject to you as well because you have been empowered with the authority and the power of the Almighty God. And then he says, yes, Jesus told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Jesus is saying, that's not the key thing that demons run. That's like a bonus. It's a byproduct. When you're walking in the power, what you really need to be excited about is you're on the roll. When the roll is called up yonder, you'll be there. Your name is registered in heaven. Whenever someone gives their heart to Christ, it's so exciting. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices. Why? Because their name has just been registered in heaven. That's even more exciting than seeing demons tremble and run in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. And that's exciting too. But my friends, for you and I, to live a vibrant Christian life, we got to get out of the boring mode. You need to start doing what God's called you to do. If you're a part of the spiritual army and you start engaging the way Jesus has called you to, you're going to see some spiritual action on the front lines. And all of a sudden, your heart's going to start beating. You're going to start getting your weapon in shape. And you're going to start advancing the line 
of the kingdom of God forward because not even the gates of hell can stand against the church. But we've got to move forward. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send laborers. And then he says, go. He said, now go. I think we're a little bit comfortable in Springfield and the Pioneer Valley area. I know we face challenges, but spiritually I fear that we are a little bit on the lackadaisical mode spiritually. And I just want to challenge all of us to kick it up a notch. Pray, seek the Lord, because there is so much work that needs to be done in our area. And as we're gathered here, this is a time for us to regroup, but this isn't necessarily the battlefield. You and I are called by God to go and engage. Some of you are in very key spots. And you're not seeing it as the field. You're looking at it as your job. You're looking at it as your neighborhood. And you're looking at, do I like this? And do I prefer that? And it's not where it's at. God, what do you want me to do? What's my assignment? And sure, God can move you. He can take you from one place and put you somewhere else. If you're going through a stressful time, he can, he can work that out. He'll give you the desires of your heart. But more important than anything is you following through on what God has called you to do. And I, I pray that for myself as pastor. My prayer is that we as a church will utilize the authority and the power that God has given to us that I will utilize the authority and power God has given to me. It's one thing to preach about it, and it's another thing to engage in it. And sometimes things get messy when you step out in faith because it's not all pre-planned and programmed. But it gets exciting. When you're doing it God's way, it gets exciting. Can you imagine? All the stuff Jesus said, don't take with you. He says, go, preach the gospel, leave your blessing. If they're not ready for it, it'll come back to you. They go, maybe not knowing exactly what to expect. They come back all excited. Jesus, when I spoke your name, demons trembled. Jesus said, yeah, I, I knew that. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Friends, never run from the enemy. You should be running toward him, just like David did to Goliath. And if you're feeling like running the other way, you need to get empowered with that authority. So what I feel in my spirit as I was preparing to share this with you today, God doesn't just talk. He always acts. And sometimes what happens, especially in a church setting, is, is we can sit, we can take notes, we get it all nicely organized in our brain, and then we leave, we go eat lunch, and life goes on. But what God's called us to is to engage. So I want you to all, just for a moment, close yourself in with the Lord. And I believe that the Holy Spirit desires to work in this place, in every heart. You have been called by God not just to live a boring Christian life. You have been 
called by God to engage in supernatural warfare. Now, I believe that there are different ways that the Spirit of the Lord wants to work this morning. First and foremost, I want to say, if you're in this room and you have never committed your life to Christ, or maybe you did when you were younger or some time ago, but you have since walked away, God says to you today, come home. He will welcome you home. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. You see, the truth is, is none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. The reason Jesus died on the cross is to provide the way for you to experience salvation. Don't let that opportunity pass. If the Holy Spirit has been speaking to your heart and you know you need to take a step in obedience to surrender your life and to simply say, Jesus, I know I've sinned and I want my sins forgiven. I believe that you died for me. You paid the price and I'm willing to accept it and reject my life of disobedience. If that's you in this room today, I want to invite you on the count of three to simply raise your hand toward heaven as a statement to say, I choose to follow Jesus. One. Two. Three. If there's anybody in the room that needs to make that decision, God sees your hands, every single one of you. More than anything, He sees your heart. I want you to keep them up high just for a moment. The decision that you're making is not just for today. This is a life decision. Jesus said, count the cost and then follow me. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to pray and the Holy Spirit is going to do exactly what He said He would do. And He will come in and He will cleanse you of your guilt, of your shame. He will wash you. And your name is going to be registered in heaven. And all the angels will rejoice. We're going to join with you in praying this prayer together. And every single one whose hands are raised. You may go ahead and put them down. We're going to pray together and we are going to believe God for transformation. So would you please join me in this prayer? Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge today that I need your forgiveness. Please wash my heart and make me brand new. I choose from this day forward to live my life in obedience to your word. I reject my sinful past and I choose to follow you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. 
I give my heart completely to you now. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise for the work of the Spirit of God. Just a, a quick word of encouragement to each one of you who raised your hand. Welcome to the family of God. And I want to encourage you to eat the Word of God because it's what's going to sustain your spirit. Talk to God. You don't have to use big religious words. Just talk to Him like you talk to your friend. He understands all languages. And then get together with people who love Jesus. We welcome you here. If you're not from the area, find a good church where the Word of God is preached. Get plugged in and grow in your walk with God. The next thing I want to do, and I believe this is really important because Jesus said, heal the sick. And he also said to cast out demons. Now, some are fine with the healing of the sick, but when it comes to dealing with the demonic, gets a little bit confusing. Especially here in the United States, we have medical terms for all kinds of demonic activity. Not every single medical problem is demonic activity, but much of it is. And there is power in the name of Jesus to give freedom. And so I just want to take a moment before we're dismissed. I, I, I've said this before and I've been wrong, so I'm cautious to say this won't take long. But I truly believe in my heart that God wants me to do this because it's in His Word. If you have been battling any demonic forces, and I'm not saying you're possessed by demons, although there could be someone here that is not walking with Christ who has been possessed by demons, but that's not necessarily what I'm speaking about. I'm talking about those who are dealing with oppression of the enemy, stuff you can't explain that goes beyond the natural, and you would like freedom. I believe Jesus wants to set you free. And if there are demonic forces that are physically affecting you, I believe today Jesus can kick them out. I truly do. And I don't like to gloss over that because it was a great part of Jesus' ministry. So if you're in this room, this is how we're going to end this in just a little bit. And you're facing some power of the enemy. And you just want victory for the glory of God. It may be illness. It may not be. It may be just something that is above and beyond your ability to deal with. And you need Jesus to set you free from that oppression from that effect, and again, even possession. And I personally believe 
that a person who has completely dedicated their life to Christ, Jesus comes in and lives on the throne, and the enemy does not share the room with Jesus. Okay? I don't believe that you are possessed with the enemy while at the same time walking with the Lord. However, I do believe that as believers, we do engage in spiritual warfare. And sometimes if we become a bit lazy, we can be affected by it, even as we're walking with the Lord. So if this morning you are facing a battle and you would like some added assistance, I want to invite you to come to these altars and we're just going to pray a prayer of authority and power in the name of Jesus so that every bondage will be broken. That's what he sent his disciples to do. I've been commissioned to do that. So have you. So why not do it? You go to a doctor's office and what do you expect? For the doctor to do everything he can to deal with the situation. Spiritually, there are issues in this church body that can only be dealt with in, with the supernatural power and authority of Jesus Christ. And so that's simply my request to you this morning. Uh, if you're here this morning and you need that touch of the Lord for victory, you're welcome to come forward. And I would love to pray a prayer of victory over you in Jesus' name. If that's you, would you come? Lord, we welcome your presence in this place. It's all about you. If you don't show up, we have no power and no authority. God, you know every person that's in their seats right now and they're debating, is this a spiritual battle? Is this demonic oppression? Holy Spirit, give courage to every single one that needs to come and to fight for your kingdom's purposes to prevail in their lives and in their families. For some, Lord, maybe they're facing something that just seems to happen over and over again. And it's been clearly a pattern that has been happening in their life. I pray, God, that you would draw those people to this altar so that that pattern can be broken in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In just a few moments, we're going to pray, but I want to give everyone the opportunity because there is power in the name of Jesus. And what Jesus sent his disciples to do is exactly what we're going to do right now. We're going to, in just a moment, take authority in the name of Jesus, and we are going to cause the demons to tremble. Not only that, we are going to command them to leave you alone in Jesus' name. Touch every mind, God, every heart, every body, every spirit. All right. If you're sitting in your seats, I'm going to ask you to engage in this battle with me, would you? Would you pray right now? Close yourself in with God. You can extend your hand. You don't need to be focused with your eyes up here necessarily. I want to encourage you to engage right now 
in spiritual warfare. This is not just something to observe. This is something to engage in. And I'm going to ask you to join with me as we pray for freedom. If you've been in a battle, you know how critical it is to gain victory. So would you join with every one of my brothers and sisters up here that are believing God for a miracle? And we're going to take authority in the name of Jesus. And we're going to do that right now. I'm going to ask all those who are here at the altar, just as a a symbol of surrender, would you simply raise your hands towards heaven? Just simply raise your hands towards heaven. And let that be a sign of worship. Remember the scripture that we read in the beginning? It said, I will praise you in the sight of all the other so-called gods. That's what you're doing right now. There is no demonic force that stands against the power of the name of Jesus. As your hands are raised, I stand in agreement with you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I come before you this morning knowing that you have given me authority You have given your people authority and power in the name above all names, the name of Jesus. And I choose to use that authority right now in this place. And Jesus, following your example, not trying to step out of line with what you did at all, I speak to every demonic spirit in this room. You have no business here. In the authority and the name of Jesus, you leave God's people alone. You leave them alone in the name of Jesus. You do not touch their bodies. You do not touch their minds. And in the authority of the name of Jesus, I break every chain that you have put around any of their thoughts, any of their activities. You must loose your hold. Jesus, just as you saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven and his authority and his power, his influence was lost because he tried to rise himself above you. I claim the work of the enemy in this place and in these precious people who are at this altar today. I claim that work of the enemy to be completely defeated in the authority and the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I believe your word. And I thank you for what you're doing even now. I thank you that there is victory in the name of Jesus. I also want to ask, oh God, because I know, Jesus, what you said. 
that even when the work of the enemy is stopped, that there is always the option for him to come back and to come back stronger than before he left. So I pray a hedge of protection around every single man and woman at this altar. And I pray, God, that whenever they get confused and maybe are tempted to open that door for the enemy again, oh, Spirit of God, I pray that you would speak to them so strongly. Keep the door closed in the name of Jesus. Keep the door closed to the enemy. And allow the Word of God to serve as a protective shield. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing even now. And I believe your word for victory. God, if there is any idol that is inhabiting any of these homes, if there has been some open door that maybe they're aware of or maybe they're not, God, would you make that clear? There may be some areas where the demons have actually been allowed to be present in the home because of some garbage that has been left lying around. Holy Spirit, would you please make it so clear to my brothers and sisters what may be that particular area that has allowed the enemy to have any rights? And may they remove it so that the enemy will not be able to infiltrate any longer. Holy Spirit, would you make that clear? if there are any open doors, even a crack, so that their lives can be fully protected from the work of the enemy. And now I declare freedom in the name of Jesus. As you leave this place, may you walk in the freedom and victory that Jesus provided for you at the cross. For when he died, he gained complete victory over the enemy. Lord, we honor you, we worship you, and we praise you for your glory and your honor. I present your precious people before you, and may they live in freedom. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Let's give the Lord praise for the work of His Spirit.